Hi, you're listening to Peterborough Currents. I'm Aisha Barmania. And today, I'm also joined by the second half of Peterborough Currents, uh, Will Pearson. Hello. How's it going, Will? It's going pretty well. I feel a little bit bleary-eyed from watching, I think, like 10 hours of budget deliberations this week, but uh, I'm feeling good. Yeah. You and I stayed up for for several uh, nights of this past week uh, until the late, late hour of 9.30 p.m., uh, watching uh, finance committee meetings, and and that's what we're going to dive into in this episode. We watch them, so you don't have to. Yes, exactly. Though I would encourage, I would encourage people to watch them. They're they're boring, but uh, I don't know. I've, maybe I'm just an, well. I know I'm a nerd, but <laughs> I, I find them comforting somehow. At the same time. Yeah, it's nice to just, you know, you see, you hear in the news or you you read these headlines, of, especially about the U.S., but it's nice to just listen to, like, the local boring government just work. Yeah. Um, and so what we're going to do today is just go through the highlights of what happened uh, each evening uh, during this past uh, week. And we're recording this on Friday, November 27th um, for, for release on Monday. And... Um, So when we say this past week, we're talking about uh, the week of Monday, November 23rd, um, which is notoriously known as Budget Week. So this is the week where uh, City Council sits as the Finance Committee and they go page by page through the draft budget for the next year. And here's a little bit of what that sounds like. Page number four, draft budget overview. Page number five, gross expenditures versus net expenditures. And so each councillor is given the opportunity to ask questions of city staff and propose amendments to the draft budget. And then they vote as a committee to uh, adopt that uh, amendment or not. Um, so so Will and I have kind of divvied up which day we're going to talk about. And uh, so Will, you're going to go first and you're going to talk about Monday. So what happened on Monday? Okay, so... We should back up a little bit and say that the city is divided into three main departments. And so on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, we're each dedicated to one different department of the city. And so Monday's night meeting was for the Department of Corporate and Legislative Services. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, we we knew going into this budget week that some councillors were going to be on the hunt for savings because they were uncomfortable with how high the proposed increase to the tax rate was. Mm -hmm. And that did happen right off the bat, uh, right at the beginning on Monday, with Councillor Andrew Beamer introducing a motion to cut by 10% the training, the staff training budget line in all of the city's departments. Because of the the tough financial times, because of the virus, and because of how things are going to change after the virus with training and technology and education, that is an area where we can find some savings. So that's a a 10% reduction in training and traveling in every department. So that's 182,000 savings. And so this idea was met with a little bit of caution from from folks around the council table and and from city staff. Um, Here's what the city's commissioner of corporate and legislative services, Richard Freeman, had to say. A lot of the the training, for instance, will be, you know, there is, there are, professional accreditation that needs to be maintained so there is there's a lot of training that 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 is required on an ongoing basis to remain to to maintain those professional accreditations so so we just need to be very cognizant of that and and not be compromising our ability to to staff to you know to to do their job and yeah a a couple of counselors kind of echoed their concerns about cutting staff training just like broadly by 10% across the board um another one of those counselors was Kim Zippel 
I, I share similar concerns, especially with legis legislated changes. When we have departments like our building department where we have inspectors going out um, and, and they need to keep up with changes in legislation and, and be current. So um, I think it's, it's an interesting approach, but I, I would like to see a report come back because I don't think a 10% cut across all departments may be appropriate and we certainly don't want to hamper the capability or have liability because we are not keeping up to date with our training. And then an interesting point raised by Councillor Keith Riel was mm. that, you know, the, the city is is obligated to provide some of this training as part of the collective agreements that it has with its uh, the, the unions mm -hmm. that work at the city. So, it, you know, it's not as, as simple as just cutting by 10% right. and not kind of looking into how that's going to go. Um, but they, the, the committee did reach a compromise and decided that they will cut the whole corporation's budget for staff training by 10%. That works out to about $182,000. And staff are going to kind of divvy that up department by department. So some divisions will see a bigger cut than 10%. Some will mm. see a smaller cut than 10%. And the idea is they'll get to $182,000 worth of savings, but um, the 10% per division is not going to happen. And I, I will just give a little update, which is on, on Wednesday evening, Commissioner Freeman came back and said, staff have been doing a little bit of the legwork to find out how, how these cuts would go. And they mm -hmm. actually think that they can't find that much oh, yeah. in that budget line. And hmm. so Freeman asked for a little bit of leniency to find the same amount of money, $182,000, but by potentially looking at some other budget lines right, uh, to find those cuts in. And so we actually don't know what those are going to be yet. But uh, I imagine we'll find out before the December 14th council meeting. Okay, gotcha. Um, so that was the big, uh, big thing early on on Monday night. Uh, what what kind of what did they fill the rest of the three hours with? You know the wet, the rest of the night went pretty amicably. There wasn't a lot of a lot of drama or disagreements. Um, some of the things they talk about it during Budget Week seemed like quite small. Yeah. Um, so you know, <laughs> Councillor Capo asked. Do we really need to switch from keys to swipe cards in all the city's facilities in 2021? Mm -hmm. uh, Councillor <laughs> Parnell asked, do we really need to replace the lighting in the art gallery this year? Um, Big questions. Yeah, I mean, everything's important, but some things are more important than other things. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when the budget for splash pads in the city came up, Councillor Clark expressed his, his frustration that Monaghan Wood does not yet have a splash pad. Mm. Things like that. Uh, but... There were no big changes to the draft budget made. Um, councillors asked some questions, but uh, didn't didn't make any changes. Um, the only other thing that happened on Monday night that I think is is newsworthy and important mm. to to uh, tell our listeners about was had to do with the canoe museum. Oh yeah. So our listeners will probably be aware that the site that the canoe museum was going to be built on, next to the lift locks, uh, was found to be contaminated. Right. Yeah. And uh, they can no longer build the museum on that site. And they're looking for another site. Now, the city had committed to contributing $4 million towards the, the build of this museum, which mm -hmm. was supposed to be a $65 million build. Yeah. Um, there's some questions now about whether the museum is going to cost $65 million. It might be less. It might mm. might have uh, different amenities. It, it's right. not going to be the same project that the city council originally committed $4 million to. Yeah, the design was site-specific, right? Yeah. So now it's a new site. So Councillor Beamer suggested that they... Councillor Beamer moved that council uh, asked staff from the Canoe Museum to mm. present to council sometime in the first quarter of 2021 to update council on what the plan is. Mm. The, the deal was $4 million of taxpayer money for a $65 million build. Um, 
what I've been told is that build's going to be significantly scaled down now. So I, I think we have to have the conversation. Do we still give the Canoe Museum $4 million of taxpayer money for a build that may only be 40 or $45 million? Um, yeah, my sense from watching these deliberations were that was that the, the rest of council wasn't really that comfortable with the idea. Here's mm. Councillor Parnell responding to the idea. Our commitment was key, absolutely essential to them securing provincial and federal monies, as well as it really helped them leverage the vast majority of what they have raised through uh, private contributions internationally. A lot of this money is coming from around the world, not even just in Canada. So I, I suspect that if we waver in our commitment, it could really hurt uh, their fundraising efforts. And so in the end, Finance Committee did vote to to ask the Canoe Museum to present to council next year. Mm -hmm. um, so that's going to happen. My sense is that there's not really an appetite on council to to take any of this money back. Right. Uh, we'll see what happens. Um, but while they voted, they did accept the motion from, from Councillor Beamer. We'll see what happens in the in the new year. So no, nothing actually changed in the budget document. There's no. just there's just more more information uh, that's going to be coming. Yeah, and that's uh, that's everything that I think people need to know about Monday. Okay, cool. And so, so you're going to tell me about Tuesday. I can sure tell you about Tuesday. So like you said, the city's divided into these three departments. Um, Tuesday looked at infrastructure and planning. And uh, there's two sort of notable exchanges at the committee meeting that I want to bring up. Uh, and that was uh, around the spicy, spicy topic of road paving. Um, so I want to just play a little clip of city councillors uh, Stephen Wright and Keith Riel, who had a little bit of a back and forth about it. I have roads, I think probably autonomy, all of us across the city could pick some streets here to be done in 2021, and I'd like them done, and they're much appreciated, but I, can you give me some sort of comfort here that uh, all the money isn't just going to be spent in one ward uh, next year? Thank you uh, to you, Chair, and it was quite an interesting conversation, and I can uh, appreciate and understand uh, Councillor Riel's uh, uh, position. And uh, think first, though, Councillor, you're a city councillor, not just a ward councillor. And when it comes to uh, doing the priorities of the city, it doesn't matter what ward it's in. It, it... Councillor Riel, for a second time. Uh, to the chair, I take offense to the councillor here. Um, and so what they're talking about there is a report from staff that suggests adding $1 million to the capital budget for a program called Resurfacing for Roads Most in Need. Um, and the report notes that there used to be a steady source of funding for these projects uh, from a provincial infrastructure fund, which ended in 2019. And it seems like since then, the city has been kind of struggling to figure out what the best way is to fund these projects. Um, and in 2020, there was a, a pilot program that the city ran, um, and the city used a one-time federal gas tax increase to pay for this. This, uh, the 2021 budget, doesn't have that kind of grant funding coming in. So rather than let that program end, staff have proposed to keep it going. But the sort of disagreements that kind of came up were about what is this program accomplishing in terms of are we talking about the sort of underlying infrastructure beneath the pavement? Are we talking about sidewalks? Are we talking about gutters? Um, the answer to that is we're really just talking about pavement here. We're talking about as Dean... Shave and pave. Shave and pave. Um, and, and there is another budget line for those kind of long-term fixes. And actually, most of the infrastructure budget is 
long-term fixes to these roads. But then there's also this conversation about which wards are getting this investment. And so um, Councillor Keith Riel for Ashburnham Ward uh, pointed out kind of forcefully uh, that all of the roads scheduled for 2021 were in Northcrest Ward uh, and he wanted to see some investment uh, spread out across the city. Ultimately, what ended up happening at the end of this almost 40-minute conversation Ultimately, the motion that passed is that the budget would be amended to include the $1 million that staff have requested for road resurfacing of streets most in need through tax-supported debt financing, and also that staff repair a report for City Council in the first few months of 2021 with the list of roads to be resurfaced. Um, so that, that list of which roads are actually going to get done, uh, that we'll find out more in uh, the first three months of 2021. Perennial arguments about roads and yeah. municipal politics. Yes. And there's there's $11 million in the budget this year for roads, mm-hmm. uh, either building new ones or repairing old ones. Um, yeah, I think I think that the focus on roads really does have to do with what councillors get phone calls about. Yeah. Um, and so I would say if you care about something else, <laughs> pick up the phone. Um, yeah, so that's, so that's all I want to say about the road resurfacing program. Um, I won't take up 40 minutes of our listeners' time. <laughs> but if you want to hear it, it was, uh, you know, spicy. Okay, what, help, what happened on Tuesday <laughs> night other than arguments about roads? So the other thing that I want to call attention to here is the uh, fare hike that was uh, proposed in this budget for uh, public transit users. Um, so in in this uh, in Tuesday's meeting, uh, City Councilor for Town Ward Kemi Akapo um, proposed a motion to remove this 10% fare hike. Um, so here she is talking about that. So I personally think that it would be a little bit premature to propose a fare increase uh, once, you know, prior to the transit review being completed. Uh, and furthermore, I mean, we all know that we're in a pandemic and a lot of people's pockets have been hit quite hard. Uh, so I would like to see that the discussion on the fare increase be postponed, at least until the time that the transit route review uh, came back to council. And then we could make a decision and have a fulsome discussion at that point. Um, and this was a, a pretty contentious proposal in the draft budget. We heard a, delega- uh, a delegation at the public meeting bring it up. Here's uh, Teresa McDonald speaking about it. You need to recognize the demographics of the bus passengers, seniors, people with disabilities, people with low income. We have the highest unemployment. Again, we all depend on transit. We put a price tag on it. We value it. We don't want to see it erode away. And it's eroding away. And I tell you, by the end of the winter, you're going to have lost most of your bus passengers because the system's not working. And so we feel that you should wait to make any decisions on the transit. We would ask that you vote no. Many of us that use transit, we've also been impacted by COVID. And, and, and we've had struggled with challenges. And we're struggling now with challenges of being locked in our homes because we can't use the transit system. Then if we can't afford to take the transit system, where will we be as a community? Where will we be when COVID ends and we want to go back to using routes and we can't get to all of the things about Peterborough that were amazing? And yet we can't because the transit system is not working. So I would ask tonight that you defer that or I actually just say no. So that was disability advocate Teresa McDonald speaking on November 16th. And based on some of the remarks that councillors made at the meeting, it sounded like they had heard from many constituents about this. Um, a fair few councillors spoke to why they were voting the way they were voting. 
And I want to just play and I want to just play a few clips from those councillors. Uh, so we're about to hear councillor from Monaghan Ward Henry Clark, then Mayor Diane Terrian, uh, councillor for Northwest Ward uh, Andrew Beamer, and then lastly Don Vasiliadis, councillor from uh, Monaghan Ward. I believe in this case we really do need to do it. There hasn't been one in almost a decade. The transit is a huge cost to the city budget. And I do believe in this case that when we're asking staff to find revenue anywhere they can, that this is an appropriate place to do it. I, I understand that there is a budgetary implication to not passing it, but I will support Councillor Acapo in deferring that until we have the uh, results of the route review that's happening. There's been a lot of discussion about transit over the last several months. Um, I've been pretty steadfast in my views uh, in my term on council. Transit is, is, is never something that makes money. I don't know of a municipality in North America. Maybe there's one in the world that makes money, but it's, it, you know, it's an essential service that we provide to our residents. Um, I'll, I'll respectfully uh, uh, vote against it as well. I do think uh, we've enhanced the service significantly over the past several years, stat holiday service new community bus service, increase the handy van, increase servicing for uh, Fleming and Trent, um, new buses last year, this year, and next year. Um, it's hard to put it year after year on the backs of the property taxpayer. Yeah, well, you know, being a part of this portfolio for years, <clears throat> you really see the cost of transit and what it does cost, and I agree, we'll never make money on it. Uh, the main thing you're always looking at is your cost recovery, and... Uh, you know, raising your your user fee is just a part of that. And I, I think in the future, if we could look at more increasing the fee a certain percent maybe every year, so it's more gradual instead of, hey, every seven years. Uh, but it is all about cost recovery, and uh, the user fee is a part of that. So um, instead of delaying it, I, I'm, I'm going to, I, I'd like to see it start in January. So unfortunately, I can't support it. Thank you. So ultimately, you know, based on what they said and some folks that didn't speak, that motion failed. I think what councillors are struggling with here is just that I think there's two things going on. The, there's the fair hike, but also, there's just also the context in which it's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. The routes were, were changed in the summer to respond to COVID-19. And a lot of transit users are just really frustrated with the new routes. Mm-hmm. Um, frustrated about how fast the change happened, but also just frustrated with the new routes themselves. Yeah. Um, We've needed a new transit system for a long time, and it's coming. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I think that it's not here yet. And so, yeah. you know, the question is whether we want to raise fares in this context and in this climate. Mm-hmm. And and we're going to learn a lot more about this through the master transport the master transportation plan, which has a transit route review uh, kind of component to it. You know, that was brought up in, in what a lot of councillors said, but you know, ultimately, it passed the way it passed. Okay, am I going to tell you about Wednesday now? Yes, tell me about Wednesday. Community services was on Wednesday night. Um, the first thing I'll talk about um, is has to do with the arts community and the Electric City Culture Council. If you're listening to this, you might have listened to our previous episode about arts funding and the municipal budget. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so when, after we published or posted that episode, uh, there was a new staff report that suggested decreasing the amount of operating funding that the Electric City Culture Council receives from the city. Mm-hmm. Receives, I think, $85,000 uh, per year right now, just as a sort of base operating funding. And, and and they do a lot of arts advocacy in the community. They organize things like Arts Week. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. in case you haven't heard of them. Yep. 
And so the suggestion from staff was to start to reduce that uh, gradually over the next four or five years until it eventually became $60,000. Mm. It's a pretty significant cut to their operating funding. Um, council voted against it on Wednesday night and instead decided to give EC3 $85,000 in 2021, so the same amount as before, as well as in 2022. Right. And then there's no plan for funding in 2023 or onwards, so that'll have to be decided later. Okay. Um, but then there was some other arts funding news that happened on Wednesday night. Um and that was that council voted to make a one-time contribution of $40,000 to EC3's Arts Alive Fund. Hmm. So, Yeah, and, and uh, I was just going to jump in to say that we heard in the previous episode that that fund's all about uh, supporting artists through COVID-19, buying PPE, um, getting their operations back, uh, back up and running, but also just kind of tiding folks over in some ways. Mm-hmm. So they were looking for that contribution. And it, it, it's interesting where... Uh, council found the money for that. It was yeah. a motion made by Councillor Acapo, okay. and the motion was to take $70,000 that had been proposed to be spent on a new sign for the museum okay. in 2021 and take $40,000 of that and make it a contribution to this Arts Alive Fund. And the other part of that motion was to take $30,000 and put it towards ripping up the train tracks that cross Lansdowne Street, uh, where the Crawford Trail crosses. Right, yeah. And so if you're curious about that, you should go on to peterboroughcurrents.ca because I wrote an article about cycling infrastructure and the mm-hmm. municipal budget, and it covers the Crawford Trail. Yeah, that's a great article to check out. It's it's interesting, your your sacrifice, uh, Peterborough Museum, and your sign is Okay, is but they also, noted. well, they also... Um, <laughs> voted to pre-commit the money for 2022. Okay. So the museum is getting its new sign. Okay, so that's EC3. Um, What else did we uh, learn? So there's a lot of discussion about the shelter system because the shelter system is receiving a little bit more money in 2021. Um, I'm going to follow this episode up with uh, an episode that just focuses on housing and the municipal budget. So I'm not going to talk too much about what happened as regards housing. (laughs) Um, But council did decide to... Increase the base funding that the youth shelter, the YES emergency shelter, receives, um, as well as top up the pay of staff at the shelters in the city so that the pay scale will now start at a living wage. Mm. Um, so that's good for, for shelter workers. So that's for both YES and Brock and the Cameron other city ranch. Yeah, yeah. The, all the shelters. That's um, great and news. And that's $17.63 an hour, which is the living wage as defined by uh, United Way Peterborough. Nice. That's great. Um, and so social services also came up on Wednesday night. Mm-hmm. Um, I would encourage folks to go back and listen to our episode on social services in the municipal budget because we cover a lot of what was proposed in that episode. And so I'll just give a small update uh, now, which is that the, the changes proposed for social services were, were approved by council. Right. So that's the elimination of the recreation benefit for people on social assistance, as well as a 50% cut to the poverty reduction initiatives. Right. And so when we when we did that social services episode, you didn't know uh, or we, we it wasn't really known uh, where that 50 percent cut was coming from. Do we know which now where those where that money's coming from? Yeah. So uh, listeners will remember that the poverty reduction initiatives included a couple of different programs, um, provision of baby supplies to low income families, emergency food assistance, and then also uh, seed funding for projects in the community that are, mm-hmm. have to do with social inclusion or poverty reduction. And the cut is coming to those seed, those projects. And so there won't be any seed funding for projects like that okay. uh, in 2021, but the baby supplies, emergency food, uh, taxi rides, uh, taxi rides, medications, things like that, those are staying in. Yeah. And uh, yeah, council did ask a, a few questions about these changes, um, but they they didn't debate about it too long. 
Really, they should have just listened to the Peter Bocurrence podcast <laughs> because all the questions that they asked had already been answered by us. Well. Um, but yes, they voted to approve the, the changes to the social services budget this year. Gotcha. Uh, so that's what happened there. The, the police budget also came up on Wednesday night. And so a little background here. Uh, council had originally asked that the police budget not increase by more than the net operating tax levy. So another way of thinking of that is the council asked that the police budget not increase more than the operating, the average operating budget for other departments mm. in the city. And that worked out to 2.18%. Right. Yep. When the police came and presented their budget to city council, they asked for a little bit more. They asked mm. for a 2.43% uh, raise. Okay in their budget, which works out to about $66,000. Mm. And on Wednesday night, council approved that. But they decided that instead of um, taking that money, like raising the tax rate to find that money, that they would take that $66,000 from the city's general contingency reserve. So okay. the police are getting the 2.43% increase to their budget that mm. they asked for. There didn't seem to be a lot of disagreement around the council table about whether that money should be given to the police. Mm -hmm. um, but as you can imagine... A couple of councillors took the opportunity to just speak to some of the issues around policing and some of the problems with policing that, you know, have always been there, but uh, uh, in the public discourse a little bit more this year. Uh, Kemia Capo was one of those councillors. Mm -hmm. The police will be the first to tell you that the most, the majority of the calls that they get have to do with uh, mental health issues. And the police really should not be the ones who are addressing these issues. But there is no other organization currently that exists that can provide the same service that they do. So by default, they are the ones that end up going to address a lot of these calls. Uh, I know that there are movements in place. You know, we do have this mobile strategic uh, team that, you know, has, you know, a police officer, but also has uh, a social worker, for lack of a better term, a uh, mental health worker. Um, so there is movement in that direction. However, um, the voices that we are hearing are saying that the movement needs to be faster and it needs to be more broad. So I'm here to represent those voices. We as a municipality need to do whatever we can to start reallocation of funds uh, for education, um, but also really to get another organization, whatever it should be, addressing the mental health concerns that the police really shouldn't be addressing, and they will be the first to tell you that. And the other council member that took some time to address this issue when the police budget came up on Wednesday was Mayor Tarion, who herself sits on the police board along with Councillor Baldwin. And I, we have had some difficult conversations, as Councillor Baldwin would, would know, around that police services table where, you know, I tried to remind folks uh, at the police services that critiques that we're hearing of policing in general aren't personal. They're not necessarily towards the Peterborough Police Service. We've seen a lot of really horrendous behavior, particularly from the RCMP, which are an institution that was historically designed to dispossess and oppress Indigenous people. They continue to do that to this day. And while the Peterborough Police Services are not representative necessarily of the RCMP, there are structural issues that are still there throughout those institutions. Anybody around this table, uh, like myself, who's gone on a ride-along, has seen, as Councillor Acapo mentioned, 90% or so of the calls that are being dealt with have to do with mental health and addictions and poverty. And we hear a lot from, you know, folks that are, you know, asking us to defund the police, um, you know, take 50% of the budget away. Well, it's complicated. So 90%, as we heard last week, of what the city provides to the police services is salaries. Those are union-negotiated, arbitrated, collective agreements. 
You can't just fire 50% of people, even if we wanted to. So I think what we see here are a couple of counselors who, you know, acknowledge the problems in policing, acknowledge that, you know, reform is needed, um, ultimately supporting the budget as it was presented this year, uh, making calls for reallocation in the future, um, but you know, yeah, not finding an opportunity to do so this year. Yeah, for sure. Um, and so there's one last thing we want to talk about about that happened on uh, Wednesday night, right? Yeah, so towards the end of the night, uh, Councillor Kim Zippel uh, made a motion that the tax increase planned for the year, which at, at the time was standing at about 2.83%, I believe, be increased to 2.99%, which works out to a difference of about $5 a taxpayer. And uh, she did that and it, with the intention of putting that money towards capital projects. And so as council debated that, some recurring patterns emerged in the debate with uh, councillors Wright and Beamer, for example, both saying that they couldn't support a further increase to taxes at this time. Here's councillor Wright. You know, I support tax increases, your worship. I I mean, we have to pay for stuff. And the only way we're going to pay for stuff that's needed by this community is through taxation. But by the same token, if the propensity to pay those taxes are not being looked at as well, then our scale is unbalanced. So I do support the intent behind your motion, Councillor Zippel, 100%. It is unfortunate that this is not the year to add that portion back. And here's Councillor Zippel's response. Thank you, Mr. Chair. And, and to address your concerns, Councillor Wright, I understand and appreciate what you're telling us that the financial community is forecasting, but what climate change is forecasting is a lot of rain. And while our capital program has many things, it it is a large scope, it includes infrastructure and essential infrastructure. And we talk about real priorities for this community. One of the real priorities is to make sure that the pipes that bring our water and take our sewage away don't break. We need to do that maintenance. We need to have maintenance programs and we need to be continually addressing that infrastructure. So I think it's important to understand a little bit more of the backstory behind what's going on here. Mm -hmm. Um, The last few terms of council, so before the 2018 election, had made it a practice to take 1% of the tax levy every year and put it towards capital projects by leveraging it for debt um, and using that for capital projects. Cities aren't allowed to run a deficit on their operating side, but they can build capital projects by taking on debt. And so that's how it had been working up until recently. This council has kind of weaned itself off that Hmm. practice and hasn't been um, using as much tax dollars to get debt and then build capital projects with. And I think there's a couple of reasons for that. Yeah, I was just going to ask, like, what's going on there? Why? What's the reasoning? So I think part of it is the the casino money. The casino, the money that comes from the casino operations has was always kind of earmarked for capital projects. And yeah. the idea was it would be used for that purpose. Um, the revenue that the casino has been generating for the city, even before COVID-19, just hasn't been as much as it was made out to be. And then with COVID-19, the casino has been closed. And so yeah. that that reserve fund is really overdrawn. And so there's not as much money there as council would like. Um, the other part of this is the PDI sale. So there's $50 million that the city has now that they're going to invest. Mm. And the idea is that they'll use the proceeds of that investment, so the interest that they earn each year, and use that for capital projects. Um, when Councillor Beamer spoke about this, he said that he'd like to wait and see. He's not comfortable raising the tax rate for capital projects. He wants to wait and see and use the PDI money. Okay. Um, 
when Keith Riel spoke about this, he kind of, he pointed out that we've already tried with the casino to raise money for capital projects, and that's not going as well as we'd hoped. The PDI money is speculation. It depends on the stock market. It might come, might not come. The only certain way to find this money to fund capital projects is raising the taxes, right? And ultimately, that's where the majority of council landed. Um, and that included Maritarian. Here's her speaking about it. Um, it's always a difficult year. Every year is a difficult year. Everybody wants all the work done. Nobody wants to pay for it. That's a common theme that's never going to change. As elected officials, it's our job to make those tough decisions, sometimes unpopular decisions. I never campaigned on freezing or lowering taxes. I campaigned on spending our money in a smart and good way. We know that we have the opportunity to, to borrow at a good rate right now to get some of these projects done. As other councillors around the table have said, they, get, they only get more expensive the longer that you put them off. We are already way behind where we should be on our capital program, and we hear about it uh, all the time. So I think it's uh, prudent to put that capital money back in there and get rolling uh, on some of these projects that, that need to be done. And so at the end of the week, the the tax increase sat at 2.99%. There's still time for that to change. Uh, mm-hmm. City Council has to give final approval to the budget on December 14th. Right. Yeah. Okay. So so that's kind of wraps up Wednesday, right? So we've gone through all three days of... That's budget week. Budget week. <laughs> the shortest week on, uh, in the year. So yeah. So the next thing that's going to happen is the City Council will... Look at this budget again on December 14th. Um, what what can we expect between now and then? What's going to happen? Well, what I would hope for is vigorous and robust public debate <laughs> on the budget. Um, I guess in theory that's what should happen now. Citizens should take a look at the decisions that have been made this week, mm-hmm. engage with their councillors about it, and the city council votes for a final time on December 14th. And if you want to address council, that's your last chance. Um, so there is an opportunity for public delegations to address council before the meeting on December 14th. Mm-hmm. So if you want to speak to council in a formal way about the budget, you can do it there. You can also just email your councillors, call your councillors. Mm-hmm. There's lots of opportunities to engage still. Um, so I think that's all we kind of wanted to talk about today. Um, but thanks for uh, for for watching these uh, council meetings with me, Will. And um, it was a pleasure. <laughs> it was a blast. And um, so there's a few more topics. We're going to keep this podcast going despite budget week being over. Where there's some more topics we want to get into. Um, so we'll be back in the coming days with some more episodes. So um, you can stay tuned for that. Music in this episode comes courtesy of the May Hemingways. Um, My name's Aisha Barmania. And I'm Will Pearson. And we'll uh, catch you later. Um, Have a great day. Bye.